0: Quiet your mind. Ever since the earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But three brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis.
1: Welcome to Dawn of Mantis. True crime, mysteries, and more. Hey, I don't even have my phone out. You guys tell me if I'm right. 417-462-6847. Is that right? 417-462-6847. Is that the hotline number? 417-What? 462-462-6847. 6847.
0: i am calling it right now on the podcast. Listen to this.
1: Because normally I have to look at my phone. I'm really gonna be really proud of myself if this works. Welcome to the dawn of Mantis. That's right. I finally remembered it. Thanks for calling. I have a thing with numbers. I told you guys about that. Hey, the reason why we did that, and that's so lame that we did, no. but we do have a hotline. Yes. And Joe just showed you. Yes. That it has a voicemail. You can call anytime. You can text it. Do whatever you want. Say whatever you want. We don't care. That's your way of getting to us.
0: Call it. Say whatever's on your mind. Even if you are a wonderful-looking young lady who happens to say. Just the very sound of Joe's voice brings me to completion. Or whatever you happen to be feeling, whatever happened to be, just say it. <laughs> you guys, it. Who knows? That may be the case for somebody, maybe a guy. Who knows? That's cool.
1: Good on you. Yeah, I don't care. And what he's saying Whoever is I can help out. She's painting a picture and she needs that motivation to finish <laughs> that work of art. To That's completion. what I mean. Yes. Yeah, I didn't, want, I didn't want anyone to think ill of you, sir. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out. So call us 417 462 6847. 417, the number four. Mantis. Mantis. Yeah. Beautiful. Also, Instagram, Twitter. All we that got shit. all that. We're
0: on all that, man. Ivan, Joe, and Sam. How is everyone? Good. Wonderful. I'm just happy to be here with my two
1: best friends about to read about this douchebag for the next hour. Yeah, and we've got to be to the point to where more bad is happening for this guy than good. I just hope we're there. The good
0: news is we're on episode seven of nine. So 789 you guys just continue to take the ride
1: with us because I want the listeners to get the full scope of Ken McElroy. Okay. Oh, so that's a no. That's a, that's a no to the thing I said earlier. Okay. You didn't want to spoil it, but then you said, no. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to try to keep it together. I'm not going to get mad this episode. Well, I'm assuming that uh, whoever's
0: listening to this episode has recently listened to part six. So we're not going to do a little catch up at the M54321. Exactly. Yes. I really would hope so because it would be pointless otherwise. Yes. So you want us to jump right in? Let's go. Well, in the following months, people tried to move on, but Ken's presence hung over Skidmore like a storm cloud. Of course, he was up to his usual behavior, staring down the Bowen camps, threatening Tim Warren, and boasting from his bar stool at the D & G Tavern how he was going to pay someone to kill Old Bo Bowen Camp before the trial even took place. Several people claimed that Ken had offered them money to stab Bo or release rattlesnakes in his house. Yeah, I said that. What the hell? It was obvious that Ken was getting even crazier he began to think everyone was plotting on him. You plotting on me, boy? (laughs) (laughs) It was common for him to jump out of his truck and hold a gun on someone while accusing them of spying on him. I mean, who doesn't do that? (laughs) Even those close to Ken started to worry about his mental health. One of the kids who stole for Ken, a teenager named Tom, was riding with him one night in the brand-new 1981 Chevy Silverado pickup Ken had just bought.
1: One of the men
2: that stole for him. Yes, one of the men that stole from him. One of his Foot Clan.
1: (laughs) Like his fellow. He's the Shredder of Skidmore. Yeah. His fellow criminals are worried about his mental health. That could
2: have been the title of the series. The The Shredder Shredder of of Skidmore. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get you turtles.
1: (laughs) I can't do the voice. But you know, the voice is uh, Uncle Phil from. uh,
2: Oh, that's right. Fresh Prince? Fresh Prince. Are you shitting me? That's the
1: voice for Shredder. I did not know
0: that. You yeah, just a, said it. There's a random fact. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah, I love this podcast. I <laughs> love too. you guys. It's my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the entire ride, Ken took huge swigs from a bottle of whiskey. Don't you hate it when people do that? I literally saw you look
1: at my bottle of Crown. <laughs> I did. He looked at my bottle of Crown when I said that. While you're gone, he took a sharpie and marked it. <laughs> Sam he he did it several marks and in the bottom one says <laughs> lots of editing yeah <laughs> he marked it for himself when i walked in earlier with a full bottle of crown that i just bought i saw sam
0: he was sitting on his bed playing video games and i was like listen man i did bring alcohol but it's going to be okay and he shook his head cuz he knows it's probably not <laughs> but uh, anyway the entire ride you know this kid one of his footmen one yeah. of his right yeah. He's riding with Ken in their 81 Silverado. They're driving. Ken's pissed off. He's taking huge swigs of Jack Daniels, cursing the town. So with the shotgun in his lap, Ken went on and on about all the people he was gonna kill, all the people who had wronged him. Seriously, Ken has his cheese has slid off his cracker at this point, right? I mean, he is not in a good
2: mental headspace. It just reminds me of the guy on Billy Madison, where at the end he's like, Man, I'm glad I called that guy. <laughs> Steve Buscemi yes. yes. Steve <laughs> Yeah He has that's a list right. of people And then he puts on the lipstick Yes <laughs> Oh that's a
0: great great scene Well especially Out of all these people That he was gonna kill
1: That damn Bo Bowen Camp. He just wanted to Just
0: kill
2: that guy You mean that hard
1: working Self made Pillar of the community the
2: Grocery store owner Well
1: yeah To you guys But <laughs> To you guys But
0: he made my kids look bad Yeah <laughs> In that moment, even Tom realized Ken was losing it, and he seemed determined to push things over the edge. But Ken wasn't only declining mentally, he was declining physically as well. By this point, he was 47 years old, and most of those years had been spent drinking hard, smoking often, and eating anything he wanted. Mm-hmm. He had a huge, hard belly and was constantly chewing on rollades to settle his angry stomach. Plus, there was the frequent neck pain from that injury back in Colorado. Uh, Along with searing headaches and occasional blackouts. Remember
2: the cribbing? I forgot all about that. The cribbing, yeah. Mm, Yeah. Smashed him on It's been a long seven episodes. (laughs) It really (laughs) is.
0: Well, whether it was his failing health or his paranoia that someone in town was going to have him killed, Ken McElroy began to tell people that he did not have much time left, a prophecy that he seemed determined to fulfill himself. Okay. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Nice. In April of 1981, Robert Norrie resigned as prosecuting attorney. A 28-year-old legal aide from Maryville named David Baird, and he's going to play a big part in the rest of this, took his place, and the people doubted this younger, less experienced attorney could hold his own in court against Ken and McFadden. Well, Baird made two decisions right away. First off, he elected to withhold the candy incident and all the subsequent harassment from the trial. Alright, now listen. While some may think this would help Bo's case, Baird feared McFadden would use the information to craft a narrative of a long-standing feud between the two families, and that may cause someone to be more inclined to believe Bo did come at Ken with a knife, and that Ken's actions were justified. That was his logic. I totally get that. that Everything you just said, That I like that. Yeah, so he wanted to erase the previous skirmishes between these two. Yeah. And make it more of a... He showed up this day and shot him, and this happened.
1: I get it. Yeah, because it. really, that's part of the story. But nothing really happened that day. Right. I mean, there's some threatening and stuff like that. But I mean, that's that's, that's that. Family. Ken's every day. I mean, he could, he could pull a gun on a cop and not get arrested. So <laughs> he so, literally did. I yeah. mean, you're not gonna. He sh- he had played with his knife in the store. You're right. Can a guy clean his fingernails? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, that was a great scene in that movie. I did watch that part, and that was very spot on to what you said. Yeah. That he nailed yeah. Ken. And the, the lady that played the, the store owner, that was awesome. And the yeah. lady that was, like, frantic. I thought that was all done well. Yep. Anyway, we're just, just going <laughs> to promote the heck out of that Watch movie. Watch that movie. Yeah, it's on YouTube for free. There's two different versions. Mm-hmm. In Broadway. Well, the same, same movie, but, like, two different posts. Yes.
0: Well, okay, so that was the first thing you did was withhold that. Now, secondly, David Baird, he amended the charges So up until then, Ken had been charged with, quote, knowingly causing serious physical injury to Ernest Bowenkamp. I would say that's an understatement. Mm Mm-hmm. Baird believed that if you shot a man at close range with a shotgun, you probably meant to kill him. Sure. And so he amended the charges to reflect that intent. Now Ken would be on trial for attempting to kill Bo Bowenkamp. Now the Bowen, which is right, thank God, finally, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The Bowen Camps, along with the entire town, had their first glimmer of hope. Maybe this new guy was actually going to hold Ken accountable for his actions. Well, not if Gene McFadden had anything to do with it. (laughs) June 25th finally came and the trial began at the courthouse in Bethany, a town about an hour and a half from Skidmore. Right away, the Bowen Camps and Evelyn Sumi learned another strange quirk in the Missouri court system. As the defendant, Ken had the right to bar all witnesses from the trial until it was their time on the stand. This means Lois, Bo, and Evelyn had to sit in a separate room in the courthouse while the trial proceeded. David Baird had a very solid case against Ken. Using the evidence found at the scene, he showed how Ken was standing two feet from the dock when he fired on Bo and how Bo had been standing more than eight feet away inside the door of the store, which is what he's been saying the whole time. Lines drawn from Ken's position on the ground perfectly match the holes found in the ceiling of the store, along with where Bo had been struck and fallen to the ground. He did some old Dexter stuff. Dexter, yes, like the the yarn and all that shit. He did. The only witnesses left (laughs) who hadn't been
1: scared off by Ken... And then the rest of the town's about to do some real Dexter shit. (laughs) That's (laughs) good. That's
2: good. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's foreshadowing. I'll say it for Ivan since he said the other thing.
1: Everyone knows, but I just had to
2: tie that up nicely. The only
0: thing missing is a lot of plastic sheeting and a boat. Yeah. Yeah. A slice of life and uh, tossing his body parts in the old water. That's right. That's right. Now, the only witnesses left who had not been scared off by Ken were one of the teenagers that he'd sent in the tavern. Also, a man at the gas station who, just hours before the shooting, had been told by Ken that he was going to teach Bo a lesson. And then, of course, the final witness was Richard Stratton. Now, after McFadden resorted to his usual, isn't it possible, dog and pony show on cross-examination, guess who took the stand? Uh, Ken? Ken McElroy himself. Because the other people weren't allowed to be there, so it had to be him. (laughs) So his story of what happened that night was as follows. He had gone up to D&G to drink and play a little pool. He parked his truck and walked over to the four boys. Then he gave them money and told them to go inside and set up a table. It's like, hey, I going to play some pool with y'all. When he returned to his truck, it would not start. I don't know why he tried to start his truck when he just told the boys to go set up a pool table for a game He figured it was flooded or vapor-locked, so he decided to wait a couple of minutes and then try it again. We've all been there.
1: Oh, yeah. But this truck is a huge piece. I mean, all the times he has to open the hood and stand in
0: front of someone's (laughs) house.
1: (laughs) So Ken walks over, and he's sitting by his truck
0: innocently just waiting for this, you know, I'm going to wait and then try to start it again, even though I just told those boys to go in and set up some pool balls because I was going to play pool with them. But now all of a sudden I'm going out to my goddamn truck to start it and leave. I don't understand. It's all bullshit. (laughs) But then out of nowhere... Bo Bowen Camp came. He's lunge out. This 70-year-old man, he's a f-ing maniac. He lunges out with his knife, yelling at Ken, get off my
1: property, slashing at him. Ah! <laughs> right? Yeah. This guy's just, a f***ing maniac. Yeah, he's going postal. He's tired of opening up all these boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Fearing for his life. Fearing for his life. Of course. Ken reached inside his truck
0: and grabbed his shotgun. God, I hope I can get out in time to defend myself from this crazy old man that's eight feet away from me, 70 years old in big Smith overalls and a f-ing trucker hat with a knife. And he couldn't even get to me. It would take him 15 minutes, even if he had to. So anyway, Ken's terrified, right? And rightly so, because this old bastard, imagine Joe <laughs> Biden coming at you with a buck knife. I'm It's terrifying. And wearing overalls. He grabbed his shotgun. (laughs) He fired it just to scare Bo off, not to hit him. I was like, I don't want to hit the guy. God, I do not want to injure anybody. I'm just going to fire this to try to scare this old man who's 35 years older than me away. So I don't have to physically subdue him. Yeah, for sure. He didn't even know Bo had been struck until he was arrested. He just shot the gun and then fled for his life. Nothing is more dangerous Than a feeble 70-year-old man 10 feet away from you with a
1: dull knife.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: come on. Yeah, dull knife can cut you faster than a sharp one. I heard it my whole life. (laughs) I've never figured that one out, though. I'd rather be cut with a dull knife. Yeah. I don't know. I heard an old guy tell me that one time. Did he really? Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard that? No. Oh, got sharp knife. Dull knife cut you faster than a sharp one. I heard old people saying that to me. That before. goes against everything I understand about physics. Hey, it's fine. It's, <laughs> it's an old wives' tale. It's I don't know. You figure that one out. <laughs> 417-462-6847. Let me know. Why well, will a dull knife cut you faster than yeah, a sharp one? Maybe someone knows. Maybe someone knows. Cliff. I think Cliff. That's something Cliff would know. Probably. I hope he Come doesn't on, listen
0: Cliff. to this because he might be embarrassed that I'm his stepson. But, you know, maybe not. Maybe nope. not. He'd be proud of you right now. I'm proud of you. Are you, though? I am. These are good notes. So listen, Ken shoots the gun, throws it in his truck and flees. He's like, I got to get away from this old bastard. He's crazy. Now, the fact that he immediately went home, ditched that gun, grabbed Trina, and was headed for the state line when Stratton caught him, that was all
1: coincidence. No. (laughs) He could, Bo Bo could drive a car. Right. And he could road warrior him right off the road. Understood. Yeah. So he's still worried. He gets. You're right. He gets home. He's like, it may not be over.
0: Old Bo might be crawling through a pool of blood to his truck right now. He's going to come to my house. I got to grab my wife and head for the, straight, the state line before this guy shows up and stabs us again. The only other witnesses for the defense was a friend of Ken's named Selena O'Connor. Now, she said she had driven into Skidmore to buy a Parvo shot for her dog that day and had personally witnessed Bo lunge at Ken with a knife. So he's oh. got an eyewitness. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> she said she was so terrified that she jumped in her truck and fled the scene. I mean, this guy's crazy. Yeah. This oh, yeah. Camp. Upon cross-examination, Baird dismantled her story pretty quickly. Uh-oh. Why did she drive 40 miles for a common shot sold in every veterinary and feed store into every town in Missouri? It's a good point. She must have driven by half a dozen other places that sold Parvo shots on her way to Skidmore. Also, if she was so scared for Ken's life... Why did she not report the incident until nine months later? Mm. She knew Ken had been arrested in the case, but she hadn't come forward with this very important information until right
1: before the trial. Yeah, that's true. It's fear. She was just afraid. I mean, to be on the Bowen camp list. Hit hit list? Yes. Yes. I understand. Yeah, I do too. Of course she didn't come forward. Yeah, of course. She could be another victim. (laughs) Slice her up. Just like that box of green beans. That's what she- <laughs> After closing arguments, the jury headed
0: for deliberation. Baird and Stratton sensed it was not going to, to go well for Ken, and McFadden, he actually sensed the same thing. Uh-oh. Yeah. During deliberations, as McFadden was trying to prepare Ken for the possibility of a guilty verdict, Ken exploded. I don't give a damn. I'm not going to jail. I don't care what it takes. I told you I'm not going to f***ing jail. That's what he said. It took everything McFadden had to get Ken calmed down. Although his defense attorney didn't know it, Ken had played a final card that he hoped would ensure he would evade any jail time. A few weeks before the trial, Ken had discovered that a friend of his named Ray Ellis knew one of the jurors, a guy named Daryl Ratliff. Ken had asked Ray to approach Daryl and tell him that if he could successfully hang the jury, Ken would pay him $1,000. Wow. Unbeknownst to Ken, though, Ray didn't do it. Uh, okay. He said he was going to, he didn't. So Ken's thinking he's got a,
1: he thinks he's got an ace in the hole. Doodle 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 Finally, somebody was some,
0: yeah. right? Yeah.
1: Some something.
0: <laughs> yeah, Daryl didn't do it. That's the name of this episode. After deliberations, the jury reemerged and announced that they had reached a verdict. They found for the first time. Ever. Ken McElroy
1: Guilty uh, Why are you guys so quiet? But we're waiting for the The part where you Like you've done this before mm-hmm. You've had us excited Thinking this was the time Yeah but we know this is part seven of nine.
2: <laughs> There's a Kim Kardashian-sized butt coming. Yes,
1: <laughs> I love That's that. Awesome. Ain't it? Is that, that a quote goes on the t-shirt? We've been talking about it. Everyone gets a quote on a, a t-shirt. Kim Kardashian-sized butt coming. <laughs> yes. Come on. Is the next word on their
0: butt?
2: Uh, it is literally. <laughs> it is. Take it out. It is. A, take out one t.
0: But he was guilty of the lesser charge of assault with a deadly weapon, which only carried a two-year sentence. It was later discovered that David Baird's strategy to withhold the candy incident and the harassment, while it sounded like it made sense at the time, it backfired. Once they knew this full story, many of the jurors stated that they would have given him the harsher sentence if they had been privy to all the information. Hmm. Which, yeah, it was kind of the opposite of what David Baird thought would happen. You know, at least Ken McIlroy had finally been convicted for something, right? He was about to do some time for breaking the law, right? Sure. No. No, he wasn't. No. Not even close. <laughs> <You> I <laughs> love doing that.
2: <laughs> you <laughs> fell right into it. Why I mean. did I do that? I don't know. The last time I was, like, I, time I was so I, skeptical. I know. And the, <laughs> as soon as I heard you do it, I was like, why, Ivan? You know. I know.
0: I know. Well, let's continue shitting on your dreams. Let's visit those wacky Missouri law books again, shall we? Hmm. It turns out that after a verdict has been rendered, the defendant has 25 days to file a motion for a new trial. This also provides the judge a chance to correct any mistakes they made, or may have made, that is, and to develop a record for an appeal to a higher court. Now the defendant's guilty verdict is not official until the motion has been filed, the case reviewed, and a final decision rendered by the judge.
1: I wonder if he gets to just be out there and not in jail yeah. during all that time. That's exactly sure. what happened.
0: Only then does the guilty person actually go to prison. So even though the defendant has just 25 days to file the motion, it can take months for the lawyers to file briefs and make their arguments, and even longer for the judge to make their final decision. Meanwhile, the defendant remains as free
2: as a bird. Okay, that's what I was going to say. I was like, so it's innocent and proven guilty, and then still innocent for another 25 days or however long it and is. Much
1: longer. Yeah,
2: innocent until
1: proven guilty, innocent after proven (laughs) guilty. Yeah, he's
0: literally been proven guilty. He has been proven guilty. But due to these wacky Missouri laws, he will now have months and months and months and maybe even a year or more. Of free reign. Of free reign
1: while this other bullshit happens. It's crazy. Couldn't there not be something to where you make some kind of mistake, you go right back. There should be. And you're locked up. You would think. It's just in these little, these states and these little towns, like... If just regular people get hurt, nothing matters. Some prominent person gets hurt, then, oh, we got to change all the laws. <laughs> I don't know. It's very frustrating. It is. Big, way it, bigger than this case. And it it's so strange
0: how everything is stacked in Ken's favor. Everything. everything. Well, Every yeah. Time. And we
1: talked about that, too. We, You know, I didn't want to go conspiracy theorist, but you're the one that brought it up first, and that's makes me want to go there. That he was maybe an informant for them? Or something. Or something, yeah. Like somebody that would do things for you, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, muscle, um, intimidation, anything. I mean, he was good good at those things.
0: He was very good at those things.
1: Nothing else. Well, some kind of stupid dog shit, but other than that.
0: (laughs) So yeah, long story short, uh, he gets found guilty, but due to all this other stuff, Ken was sitting back on his bar stool at the D and G tavern the very same evening after being found guilty in a court of law. Word quickly spread through the town that, once again, McElroy, despite having gotten a guilty verdict, must have still somehow beaten the system. Everyone in town was in utter and complete shock. The Bowen camps were in a state of disbelief. It would have been better to just acquit Ken than to convict him, telling him he was facing two years in jail, and then release him back into skidmore. Right? You're about to go to prison, and we know how, you know, you kind of have that thing where you get obsessed with wanting to kill people who've wronged you. But anyway, just go back into town for a few months until you go to jail. I'm sure everything will be fine. Yeah. Well, with that, the last spark of hope the town of Skidmore had for any sort of justice was distinguished. Extinguished. Make that sound better, Sam. Less than... (laughs) Does he need to read it again? (laughs) People need to know that I'm human. The people need to know that Joey is human. So That's we'll true. That. Sam, makes you, Sam makes his all seem really perfect. <laughs> <It> really <does. laughs> Less than a week later, Ken again drove his green Dodge into town, this time followed by Trina in one of the Chevy trucks. They both parked and walked inside the D&G Tavern and took a seat. Others in the bar that day uh, was bartender Red Smith, Larry Rowlett, Gary Dowling, Pete Ward and his two sons Wesley and Wilson. After ordering a drink, Ken turned to Pete, an old farmer and veteran, and said, "You're an old war man, aren't you?" Pete replied, "Well, yeah, I was." Ken motioned towards Trina and said, "Well, I've got a gun out here. I want you to look at. This is exactly what happened in the movie."
2: I was about to ask, wasn't this in the movie? Uh-huh.
0: With that, Trina disappeared out the door for a moment before reappearing, this time holding an M1 rifle with a bayonet attached to the front. She handed it to Ken, who produced a five-round clip from his pocket, slapped it in the gun, and pulled one in the chamber. No shit. He then stood up and began swinging the rifle around, talking about how he was going to use it to cut old Bo Camp in half. As he ranted, he'd hold up the gun and aim it randomly around the room, pausing on people in the bar as he went, holding it on them. A loaded gun. Yep, I'm going to shoot old Bonecamp, then cut that bastard from his ass up to his spine and neck. Finally, Pete Ward had heard enough, like hell you will, before he and his son stormed out of the bar. Now, the Ward's home was only a couple of blocks up the street from the tavern, and the old man, now in the movie, he goes out to his car, in real life, he shimmies up the two blocks, went into his house, vanished inside it for a minute, and when he reappeared out on the porch, he was holding his own rifle. I got my own rifle. So, I'm so sorry, Sam. <laughs> Pete knew that he was, <laughs> Pete knew that to get Bo, Ken would have to pass his corner, so he took up a position at the edge of the street and aimed his rifle towards the tavern. This old dude's back in World War I. He's ready to fight. He's like, screw this shit, it's going down. I love it. I do too. Looking over his shoulder at his bewildered sons, the old man yelled, if that son of a bitch comes up this way, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to blow him away. A few minutes later, Ken and Trina, they emerged from the tavern. Now, it is not known whether or not Ken knew he had a rifle aiming at him that day. But either way, both
1: he and Trina got into their respective trucks and drove in the opposite direction of Pete Ward. He did, because that's the most unkin thing I've ever heard in this whole podcast. Yeah. The guy yelled. He knew. He's like, now, like you said before, like we've said in multiple episodes, you, you punch a bully right in the nose sometimes, and that's enough for him. That's all they want. Yep. And he knew that. I think he knew Pete was serious, and that's why he probably didn't even
0: look left. He probably just walked <laughs> straight to his truck that day and drove the opposite, like, oh, we're going yeah. home. He's got a raffle. I guess his b not going to do much. <laughs> but guess what? Pete was not finished. Oh. By having a weapon and threatening a witness, Ken had absolutely taken the necessary steps to have his bond revoked, right? He's not even supposed to be holding a weapon. Okay. Pete walked back in the house and called Sheriff Danny Estes and told him what happened. Estes then reported the incident to Prosecutor David Baird, who told him to get signed affidavits from whoever had witnessed this incident And then he would file a motion to revoke Ken's bond. Please, please have the nerve to do it.
1: (laughs) I'm afraid you're going to say no one would do it.
0: Well, this is about the time people usually gave up, not wanting to further infuriate Ken, but Pete did not waver. This old man's pissed. Yeah. He was a well-respected man, a farmer, a veteran, and a pillar of the community. And he was now openly declaring that he was goddamn sick and tired of Ken McElroy and intended to do something about him. This battle cry ignited a fire within the community. After feeling scared and helpless for so many years, seeing someone like Pete Ward take a stand against Ken, that rallied the troops. Sometimes it only takes that first little spark. You know, when you finally see someone step out uh, and do that. Everyone else, you know, it really does like, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, we don't have to do this anymore. Like it, it surged that feeling up in the community. Well, instead of backing off, Pete signed that deposition along with two of his sons and Gary Dowling. Remember that last name? Dowling, Gary Dowling. Could you spell it? G A R Y D O W L I N G. Can you use it in a sentence? No, it's not a spelling One time, bee. I'm sorry. I
1: said Gary Dowling. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know why I said that.
0: With the signed affidavits, a hearing was set for July 10th. Sheriff Esteves could have arrested Ken and held him until the hearing. Like you've been saying throughout this whole time, why isn't he held in jail until the hearing? Overcrowding. <laughs> well, Sheriff Esteves could have done that. David Baird could have directed that Michael Roy be arrested and held until the hearing. He could have done the same thing. Judge Donaldson could have used his authority to have Ken arrested and held until the hearing. For those of you not keeping up, that's three people who could have made motions and easily got Ken arrested and held in jail until the hearing.
1: Oh, yeah, and every one of those raised my blood pressure. So keep going. The next sentence reads, but none of them did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I've been here for this. (laughs) Ken was now free to roam and continue to intimidate witnesses. They just didn't. None of them did. They all could have. No one did. I don't know why you all out there decide for yourselves. No clue. Well, it didn't take long for word to reach Skidmore that Ken had once again skirted the law, even after waving a loaded weapon around after being convicted of trying to kill a man.
1: Yeah, so why'd they do any of that? That's such a waste. I know. Waste of time and money.
0: But, okay, that was true, but... The fire that Pete Ward had ignited... Had That's important. Grown. It had grown. Yeah. that You're right. That was the turning point. The town knew that Pete, his sons, and Gary all now had a target on their backs, though. But instead of distancing themselves from the men to avoid Ken's wrath, this time, finally, finally, the townsfolk rallied around them. Every, now, this is starting... They're starting to form the ranks against Ken. Everybody... Because I understand it... I've even heard stuff in my own private life where, like, maybe a guy is being abusive to his wife or something. And I've literally heard people say, like, someone say, you should step into that. Like, that's not yeah. right. Well, well, it's not my place. Uh, I don't want to incur his wrath or I don't want to, you know, you, everyone's yeah, no, heard I get that. that. That was the uh, attitude of the town up until this point. The town could no longer afford to hide and hope that McElroy would simmer down. That Great had been line. their strategy forever. Great line. We
1: can't afford it. I they like can't that. afford
0: to. That's right. They gotta take action. Ken was only getting crazier and more brazen by the day. So too many people had been threatened, harassed, stalked, and uh shot. The final incident at the tavern, like Ivan said, that caused a shift in Skidmore, a change in the air, and everyone could feel it. It was like a, an electricity, like, ooh. I think it's going to finally change. There's a storm rolling in. Ooh, I like that. 3.30 in the morning. Not a soul in sight. McElroy's harassing somebody on a lonely June night. No one knew exactly how it was going to happen, but everyone did know something was about to happen to Ken. They could feel it. And it seems that Ken sensed the same thing. A couple of days after the incident at the tavern, Ken drove out to visit a buddy of his named Sam. <laughs> Really? I didn't know you associated with people like that, Sam. Sam noticed a difference in Ken right away. He was acting strange, talking strange. Sam had done a stint in prison years ago, and Ken basically went out there to ask him, like, man, what was it like on the inside? Because in his mind, he's like, I could possibly go to jail. After talking a while, Ken said, you know what? It doesn't even matter. If I go to prison, I'm dead. If I stay outside, I'm dead. Then... As he pulled a thirty-eight pistol from his pocket, he added, I tell you what, I'm going to take a few of them with me. Mm. He then reached in his pocket again and produced $500. Sam said, Ken, I can't even pay you back. Ken got in his truck to leave, and as he pulled away, he said, Don't matter, Sam. I won't live out the week anyway. Mm. Well, it turns out Ken was right. As he drove away that day, he had exactly one week left to live. We're about there, boys. Insane.
1: Uh, <laughs> so, I'm going to say this, and I sa- I think I said this before. Tell me if I did, because yes. I say everything twice. Okay. Um, Ken's a victim in this thing, too. Like, early on, if he gets what he should get, he gets put in jail, serves some time, maybe gets some kind of counselor in jail, and, and then maybe he gets out and he's like, he 's still douchey don 't get me wrong you 're not going to just rehabilitate this guy, but I mean because he didn 't get what he was supposed to get it 's like a drug he needs more yeah, I need more of that drug. I need to intimidate, but I mean it probably did some type of brain chemistry thing to him where he he craved it. you know some people get to where they like drama mm, and yeah. uh one one goal in therapy sometimes for people like that is to get them to where they realize they are getting some type of endorphin fix from all this stuff going on. So he's a victim of this thing too. Yeah. You got to do your job and put these people away and get them help where they need it. And maybe they just rot away in prison and get out and reoffend. But maybe they find some kind of something somewhere. Do you think there's another universe where if the system would have worked as
0: it was supposed to, Ken would have... Been imprisoned very early on, and
1: and gotten counseling and changed his ways. I mean, I'm just saying, there's a chance. Th- there is a chance. There is. Yeah. I mean, if you pull a weapon on a cop in any functioning society, you get arrested for that. Yeah. Because that's the law of the land. That's the authority. I mean, you pull that's... your dick
0: out on a cop, you get arrested too. I learned that the hard way.
1: Yeah, I was lucky. He uh, did. Anyway.
0: <laughs> I'm just messing with. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sam. This
1: <laughs> was. I mean, depends on the cop, but, um, (laughs) yeah. Are you sure (laughs) I was going 20 over the speed limit? It's like, why
0: is your penis in your hand? Oh, okay. just, I thought I would try it anyway. go.
1: (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that. Nothing's off the table. But, uh, yeah, it's the system let him down too, because the system is for the people that offend and also for the defenseless, the people you're defending. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, and people we've talked about in this very room, when the law says you're innocent, go have a good life, and they're not innocent, you've let them down because they deserve a punishment. A kid deserves a punishment for doing something wrong. If you just keep letting those kids off for everything, then they end up being crazy Yes, hellions, Yes, and they never get what they deserve. So, so it's a disservice to a parent that's not, and trust me, I'm not the world's greatest parent. I, Satan gets away with all kinds of things. Because he has a little smile and he knows. And it. he's so he goddamn it. cute. Well, he's the same way with they mine. Have, they all do that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying, I would like to think when it comes to the big things, everyone in this room makes those sacrifices like, man, I got to punish that kid. You're not doing it because it's like you want him to be put away, like we want Ken put away. We just don't want him to become Ken. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or Ken ish. And you're right. You said so. I something. mean, it's all obvious stuff. Yeah. But it's something I don't feel like I've said more than about five times. (laughs) (laughs) And there are two kinds of people. Like you said earlier, you know, you said how Ken would get
0: uh, almost addicted to the endorphin rush. He'd get from this drama. Yes. There's two kinds of people, in my opinion, for this scenario. Like in school, I remember this happened two times and everyone there hated my guts for it. But we were in the locker room one time after gym class and two kids got into a fight. Okay. There's two people, two kinds of people. The kind that circle the fight and watch it. No, they didn't have their phones back then because this was 25 years ago and no one had cell phones. But they're the kinds of people that would circle the fight and watch it. And then there's the other kind of people like me that was like, oh, no, there's a fight. And I would run and get the coach. (laughs) And he immediately came in and was like, break it up, you two little jackhammer heads. And then all those other kids wanted to kill me because they were like, I ruined their fight. You know, I got, yeah, well, that happened twice. I, I the
1: fight there's broke no, out. There's no bravery in that circle, though. <laughs> there's no bravery in all, like 99% of the people doing the wrong thing. They think, oh, we're the brave people. No, you're not. Yeah. You're with a large group, you're a majority. There's no bravery there. Yeah. This is the same kind of stuff I talk about all the time. It's like, Oh, the 2% that did the right thing? There's the bravery. Oh, they're the nerds? No, they're the smart people. Oh, those kids know something they're nerds? Oh, I'm sorry for knowing something. I'm a nerd, too. I know more than you about this thing. I'm a nerd. You making fun of me? Oh, you're not? Oh, where's the bravery? Do you need 1,000 of you? Yeah. And then you're brave? No, you're not, because then there's 1,000 of you. That's exactly right. It's all logic stuff you brought it up. That's a great point, Joe. I just knew the second that I saw two people...
0: Like, trying to hurt each other. I just got this sick feeling in my gut. And I just, like, I just ran for authority. Some authority figure to stop it. Yeah. And those, all those other kids were so mad. They were like, why'd you do that, you bastard? We were going to, you know, they were fighting. Yeah. It was like, I, I didn't want them to fight. Yeah. I just, all I knew is I
1: just <laughs> wanted them to stop. We were having a Lord of the Flies moment
0: here. <laughs> One time it was because it was my friend, Corey, and this other guy came up and just way, he waylaid him in the head. And then that caused his head to bounce sideways and it hit the lockers. It was like a bam bam type thing. Yeah. And this guy was my friend. Yeah. That was one time. And the other time, I just didn't. Violence makes me nauseous. I don't want to see that. So yeah, I just no, wanted I to just, stop. Yeah. Sorry, Sam. I love you. I love you, Sam. $48,000 now. He had to Wait, that wasn't the end of the notes? I've got more.
2: Oh, oh I, I thought it was too. Yeah. I,
1: he put them down. Yeah, he did. Uh, podcast foul. You can't set the That's notes right. down. There's literally four more pages. <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: Go. It's
2: fine, but... You go for it. Okay, okay. You set the
0: notes down. I know. Sam's like, four more, more pages of editing. Awesome. You f***ing assholes. Don't four set the notes
2: down. No, I just... He kind of, like, situated them and set them down. I thought it was done.
1: No. Podcast file. I want you to
0: know, 15 though. 15-yard penalty. I appreciate you more than you know.
1: And you, too. Okay. For doing this. It's not polite to point. <laughs> no. <laughs> We well, you appreciate you me. You got the notes man Yeah We're just joking okay. Set those notes down Get comfortable We don't care Yeah We don't care uh,
0: But if Ken felt like He was about to die Like someone in town Was about to Do him in Or you know Pay someone to do him hold
2: in Hold on And I think that's also why Because it was like The sentence you said
1: That did sound like an ending Sounded like he, even, he yeah, even stopped and reread he it. He did. Like, it yeah. was
2: like, this is so important. And then I, I threw down that, the notes. Yes, yeah, so I was like, okay, that was the closing Sorry, guys. sentence of the. He should have came back like it was a prank. <laughs>
1: No, we got a long way to go.
2: Okay. No, it's okay. Now, it's fine. Yeah,
1: sorry, I interrupted you. No, that's, that's, that's
2: that made me think, oh, <laughs> that's why I thought it was the end because of that sentence.
0: I did do the mic yeah. drop. I was like, he had a week left to live. And then I threw yeah. down this.
2: <laughs> and I was like, and I love it. I love until it. next week. And, and now you're going to have to come back and hear the rest. Like that, <laughs> it, it was a total setup of the ending of the episode. Uh,
1: yeah, you got us, man. All right. You April Fooled Let's us. Reread it. All right. Here we go.
0: But if Ken felt like he was about to die, like someone in town was about to do him in or pay someone to do him in, he did not behave like it. The very next day, after his cryptic words to his friend Sam, Ken and Trina drove straight to Pete Ward's house in Skidmore. He parked in front of the house, walked to the porch, and beat on the front door. Not to be intimidated, Pete went to the front door, opened it up, and met Ken toe-to-toe. Ken said, Pete, Did you sign an affidavit against me? Yes, Pete answered, staring holes right through his fat face. (laughs) Was that in the notes? No, that was me. Okay. Why, Ken asked. In a bewildered tone, Pete replied, Because you threatened to shoot Bo, you dumb shit. I added that last part, too. But come on, why'd you sign an affidavit against
1: me? Really? Yeah, but that dumb shit part was implied (laughs) in probably tone. So you're good by saying it. Yeah, I like it. Ken replied, who
0: else signed it? Well, of course, Pete said, you know I'm not telling you that. Ken then returned to his truck, backed out of the driveway, and started driving up towards the gas station at the end of the block. Pete's neighbor, Bill Everhart, who I mentioned earlier, had been watching the whole thing from his front porch, and now he was watching Ken drive away. Ken only drove a block to the gas station and pulled in. He then got out of the truck, and Trina slid over behind the wheel. Ken was now walking back towards Pete's house with a pistol in his hand. Bill yelled across the street, Pete, he's got a gun. He's coming up the alley. Ken heard him and changed his course back towards Trina and the waiting truck. They drove away without incident. That's, by the way, this is bananas. This is just a quaint, (laughs) I was stood in these places. I, I watched, I looked at this house. I saw the gas station. I know exactly where this happened. It was just a tiny little town, a quaint little neighborhood, and these people are almost having to act like it's
1: guerrilla warfare. So really? it's freaking yeah. crazy. I always think of that when you're saying that. It
0: is crazy.
1: Yeah, it
2: really is. That are almost kind of wild west, yeah. Style, yeah. Yeah.
1: This is not the
0: okay f- corral. Here comes right. Marshall villain. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: It's just I just so people don't, like you guys said, you get desensitized <laughs> to it. But we need to reverse here and really realize
1: how bananas this is. Look out, Matthew. Remember? <laughs> he always called him Matthew. <laughs> Festus. <laughs> He was the only person Ever called Matthew I think Kitty called him Matt Doc Called him Marshall I think Was it Marshall? I think I watched a lot of Gunsmoke (laughs) So yeah
0: This thing is shut down Because Bill starts yelling So Ken decides to go Back up to the truck And they drive away Now This latest incident obviously only accelerated the electricity in the air. Whatever was going to be done about McElroy had to be done quick before
1: he hurt someone else. It kind of killed one of my theories. I was thinking like, you know, like death by cop Mm -hmm. sort of thing. I was wondering if Ken's thinking he wants just someone. It's like, you know, almost like, I want this all to be over. Yeah. Like, there's no coming back from any of this. He knows. I think that still applies, but I think it was death by anyone. But why didn't he keep walking back to the house Well, that's true. That's true. Maybe he wants it, but he doesn't want it. It's like he's kind of like... Or or is he just trying to see how far he can push people without getting murdered?
0: That's true. We're going to get to the whole entire reason. I'm liking
1: liking all this.
0: This is good stuff. The entire reason Ken was killed was because we're jumping ahead a little bit, but he was literally told, hey, I wouldn't go into Skidmore today. They're really mad. You'll probably get killed. And, And he goes there. It just doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. The talk around town was now almost totally centered around Ken and how to deal with him. Just the idea of taking down the man who had terrorized them for so long was
1: exciting to talk about. Like, I can almost feel it in the air, you know? Like the legal thing, they're not even worried about that anymore. Yeah, they're like, screw that. Th- th- yeah, that's not even in the plans.
0: This thing was building up where, we're, you know, everyone can feel it like we're going to do something. We're going to do something. Sure. Screw the justice system. Yeah. A surge of support was now coming from the community, even for past McElroy victims like Romain Henry and the Bowen camps. Because see, up until this time, everyone had kind of wanted to stay out of it because they didn't want to be next on the list. Sure. And now they're not even doing that. The town now wanted Ken to know that the entire community stood unified against him. So it was decided that on the day of this hearing that was coming up, they would form a
1: caravan of their own. Oh, nice! Goddamn right! I thought you were say they were gonna get a big billboard and be like, "We hate you," with his face on there. They should have done that too. They could have done that too. <laughs> he would have shot it. Hey, Ken, f you on the billboard. <laughs> but I like the caravan. This is better. I'm glad I wasn't there. I would have pushed for the for the billboard idea.
0: I get it. I love it. The former caravan. Ivan's in the back, raises his hand. Hey, what, can we do a billboard yeah. type situation?
1: You don't like my billboard? You not like a billboard?
0: <laughs> Caravan's cheaper. Oh, you're right. <laughs> well, the plan, here was their plan. The next morning, which was the day of the hearing, July 10th, several dozen people, including the mayor, would meet at, with the wards and Gary Dowling and accompany them, because the wards and Gary Dowling were who were, had signed the affidavits. Sure.
2: And I accomp- remember that name, by the way.
0: Yes. good. You told me to. <laughs> <laughs> and they would accompany them to the hearing in Maitland, both to protect them during the drive and to show their support at the courthouse. I love it This is where They want to fill the whole courthouse And let Ken know Everyone's here dude Yeah Everyone's against you I love it Little did they know Not to piss in your Cheerios The previous day McFadden Had called David Baird And asked for a continuance Citing he had a conflicting trial Scheduled that same day Baird How can you get away with that? (laughs) He did I double booked myself He did Baird had heard of the ruckus over in Skidmore and he declined, warning McFadden that he felt like any further delay may spark a fire within the town. Even Baird could feel like, dude, it's volatile down there. We do not want to poke the bear at this point. McFadden assured Baird that his client would, I assure you, my client will not enter city limits. Well, after this, David Baird agreed to postpone the hearing for another 10 days. McFadden was pleased, but also even he sensed Skidmore was a powder keg and McIlroy was the match. So he called Ken as soon as he's done with this. Okay. It's not July 10th. We've got it postponed till July 20th. He called Ken and he said, do not go. And we can, he even says this on the 60 minutes episode. He said, I called him and I said, Ken, it is crazy down in Skidmore right now. Do not go in that town. Stay out of there until we can get this Hearing done. Ken replies, and I quote, Nobody can keep me out of anywhere. I go where I want, when I want. I ain't afraid of nobody. (laughs) That was his reply. McFadden pleaded again, Ken, use some common sense and stay out of there. Ken hung up on him. So here we are, July 10th, the next morning, 1981. That morning, town was busier than usual, okay? Because, listen, the folks in town don't know that it's been postponed yet. Sure. They're all thinking it's still on.
2: They're rallying up. Yes, they
0: are. They are. To them, it's go time. This is the time. This years have been building up to this point for them. As promised, the large group of farmers and townsfolk were filing in one by one until both sides of Main Street were lined with trucks. Some of the men went into the cafe for coffee while others milled about on the street waiting for the drive to Maitland for this hearing. Mm -hmm. Then someone pulled up and announced, Hey, I just heard that McFadden got the hearing postponed for another 10 days. I'd love to be that guy. I'm telling you right now, that was the instance. That was the time, if you imagine a barrel of gunpowder, that was the match right so there. It might
2: Thanks be a-, a lot, Paul Revere.
1: <laughs> uh, that might be a good thing. This all might be a good thing. They might have needed that
2: match. That was basically like the match touching the fuse. I think. yeah yeah like yeah I think the match was lit. Obviously right. This was the fuse. Yeah game. yes that's better. Yeah that's a better analogy. Yeah because
1: in their in their mind like they might help us they might still help us. Oh no they're not. Yeah just a bunch of bureaucratic bullshit.
0: Yeah and they
1: were dead right. They were yeah. right. That's the the hopelessness now was in full
0: swing. Like nothing will ever happen to him. Nothing now so now it is a hundred percent on us. So, uh, the news raced through the crowds on the street and into the cafe within minutes. The mood in town quickly shifted from the anticipation of the hearing to anger and frustration at yet another continuance. As everyone began to argue about what to do next, someone suggested that since everyone was already there, they should all go into the Legion Hall, take a seat, and discuss what to do next. How to handle Ken. Smart. Yeah. Everyone agreed. So, a group of about 60 people or so funneled into the Legion Hall. Pete Ward was there, as well as his sons and Gary Dowling. Of course, and this first topic of discussion was how to protect the men who had signed the affidavits.
2: It was a bunch of people with the last name Johnson. (laughs) 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 Yeah, because you
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because you you know the lawyer has given those names to him. Yeah. I don't even know why he went to ask who it was. Right. Because all he's going to do is call his lawyer. Yeah, he knew, yeah. He probably has a, yeah, a literal printed list. Oh, these are the people to harass and threaten their lives. He probably even included the little box next to it so we could just check it. <laughs> Intimidated. <laughs> Mark it off. Yeah. But
0: yeah, they all know. I mean, this is not their first dance with Ken. They know these guys who are there, there are hope. The guys who signed this affidavit against Ken for pulling the bayonet gun in the tavern, they are final hope. That's what they were thinking. And we've got to protect them, you know, long enough to testify. Yeah. We were going to protect them on the drive to Maitland. Now it's been postponed for 10 days. Now we've got to protect them for 10 damn days. So everyone's here. Everyone's discussing what to do next. And the longer they talked, the
1: angrier they became. Oh, I bet. Obviously. I can't, can't even imagine.
0: As soon as one man was done recalling one of McElroy's transgressions, another one stood up and rattled off some more. I could just I could
2: just almost hear it like, well, and then he... Did this, did this, and this, and this, and this. Howard Johnson's right about Robert Johnson being right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Rhetoric. (laughs)
2: He's
0: he's referencing Blazing Saddles, (laughs) and (laughs) people haven't caught on to that yet. Wangers on the glass of the church downtown? (laughs) By the way, that was a running joke between my wife and I for years. We would be doing anything, and then one of us would just randomly be like, Rhetoric. Like the old (laughs) drunk in the back that stands up. Rhetoric. Anyway That's just a little look into our lives <laughs> um, Before long The group was approaching mob mentality And people began shouting things like Someone needs to shoot that son of a bitch And also Someone ought to shoot that son of a bitch <laughs> I literally wrote that twice I don't know why That's how it's written <laughs> They just really
1: <clears throat> It's backing the first guys up sure.
0: But then the first guy said, no, wait, I said it first. Someone should shoot that son of a bitch. That was my Go back to
1: an old episode. I heard he was a
0: commie. (laughs) Summerton man. (laughs) So trying to keep things in order, Pete Ward stepped in front of the crowd and addressed them. And he said, no guns. Look, we've got him this time. He's going to be locked up. So let's not do anything to jeopardize him. Was that MacGyver? So... (laughs) The poor Sorry. bastard is actually still thinking
1: that justice no, I, is going to Yeah, work. yeah, I get that. I get that. Well,
0: that's when Ken Herner, now he's the bank president, he stood up and suggested, "Hey, why don't we call David Baird, the prosecutor, and ask for advice?" So the crowd's like, "Yes, do that." Herner hurries across the street and calls Baird from his office at the bank. Baird stated that as the prosecuting attorney in Ken's case, he was reluctant to give any legal advice and suggested the group hire a private attorney to handle the matter. Herner walked back to the Legion Hall and reported that to the group. As soon as he was finished, farmers began to take out their wallets and throw money on the table. Within minutes, there was over $500 on the table and someone said, go hire a goddamn attorney. Like they're done. If that's what he says we
1: need to do, we'll pay for it. Go hire him right now. We're done. When you first said that, I thought it was like code, like private attorney. <laughs> I think he's saying hitman.
0: man. He told us to go hire the help of Smith and Wesson at law. That's what we're going to do. Oh Remington. Anyway, <laughs> Remington Steel is going to take care of this.
1: Oh, that great. sounds like a porn name. <laughs> no, no, that's that's a. Uh, the name's Remington <laughs> Steel. That's a show in the eighties. The Remington Steel, right? Yeah, that's. Is a, it really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, that was a show. Was it like a, the dude's name was Remington Steel? He was like a private investigator or something. It was kind of like a uh, not as good uh, the helicopter in the.
2: The Magnum PI. Magnum oh
0: my! It's like a always save Magnum PI. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, it
2: really is. Remington Yeah, Steel. I'm telling you. I didn't watch it much. <laughs> Wait, it's Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Are you shitting me right and now? And Doris Roberts is yeah. in it also. Yeah, he was Remington Steel. He was. I don't know what he was though. Uh, it's more James Bondish. Okay, than... so that's probably how he landed that. Yeah. Nice.
0: Okay, Pierce Brosnan makes sense then.
2: There was ninety four episodes. Okay, maybe it was. It, was a, it ran eighty two to eighty seven.
1: Oh, maybe it was pretty good then. What Sorry, the I take that back. Maybe it wasn't an always save Magnum PI. Let's put that on our watch list. Uh, five seasons. Damn. Who would have known? Hey, what do you call a skunk driving a sports car? Magnum PU. <laughs> Sorry. <that's a> t- <laughs> That's uh, I, 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 that is the worst dad joke. No, I've ever no, heard. that's not even a dad joke. When I, I used to tell that joke when I was a kid, <laughs> I thought it was the most hilarious joke. Anyone that would listen, I finally got a podcast to tell that joke. No, anyone that would listen, like grandpa's uncles, they'd come in from a long way away, and I had to tell my little joke. That's it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Is that going to be cut, Sam? He's going to cut. It. No, that was for you, Joe. Even if he cuts it, that was for you. And, that was for you and Sam. Quiet your
0: mind. It was decided that three or four of the men would take the cash and head straight to Maryville right then to find an attorney, while the rest would organize into posse's to protect the streets from McElroy.
2: Wow,
0: that's what they had pushed. He had pushed this town. To. It was, yes.
2: really was Wild West. Man. It, yeah, At this you point, said yes. it. didn't you say Wild West? Earlier? Yeah, I did. I'm, nailed it. Yeah, that's yeah. all what it was.
0: Wanting to be on the up and up, someone suggested they call the sheriff and get advice on how to go about that, the forming the posses and stuff. Anything they did had to remain within the law at this point, is what they're saying at this point. (laughs) The group agreed, and Herner hurried back across the street and called Sheriff Danny Estes in Maryville. When dispatch answered the phone, they told Herner the sheriff was out at the moment. Herner replied, McElroy's hearing was postponed, and there's a large group of upset people in town. You better tell the sheriff to get here as fast as possible because this place is about to fly apart.
1: It's ironic they were worried about the law. I guess they figure if you're a good person, the law doesn't apply. I mean, you might actually get sentenced to something. The fear of the law, Yeah, I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. Yes, like, yeah. It is kind of weird, but I guess they are good people, so they really are worried about the law. Yeah, they still are. Yeah.
0: Until obviously things ramp up beyond that. <laughs> So 20 minutes later, which is exactly that, that's exactly how long it takes to drive from Maryville. Okay. to So he, he headed straight okay. there, to his okay. credit.
1: Didn't even stop at Sonic.
0: <laughs> I had to get a strawberry slush or I would have been here 10 minutes faster. 20 minutes later, Sheriff Estes walks into the Legion Hall. The second he entered, he was bombarded with questions from every direction. What can we legally do? How can we protect ourselves? How do you expect these four guys to survive until trial? Like Pete Ward, Estes stressed that there be no guns. Instead, he suggested a neighborhood watch program be organized. That to me that sounds like putting a band-aid on a shotgun wound, but
1: I get that, but it seems like everyone's already watching. <laughs> I mean, some people are watching through scopes. Yeah,
2: yeah I feel like that's already been established.
1: But yeah. I guess an organized version of it like right right like, well, Yeah.
2: I think Neighborhood watch was established, and Ken's got a gun and he's heading back down the alley.
0: (laughs) Like, that's pretty much neighborhood watch. Yeah. Every neighborhood, every neighbor in the neighborhood is watching. Yeah. But also, not only that, the sheriff went on to recommend that someone keep an eye on McElroy at all times and alert the town whenever he left his farm. So he wanted someone to go out there in that vicinity. And anytime Ken's truck left that farm, you know, you rush
1: to somewhere and call town and, and alert everybody. What if he's in disguise like Robin Hood and he's in the crowd and like, what do we do? <laughs> this maniac. Because <laughs> he's already got the I imagine that anyway because he's got the scanners and the radios in his car. Yeah. That
0: large man with the same body shape as Ken back there has a point in disguise. Who is that guy? Yeah. We should just wait for this to go to trial. I think we should all. It's all, all going to blow over. <laughs> I think we should leave him alone. <laughs> I
2: don't think anyone understands him. No, I don't think anybody understands me. I mean him. (laughs) That's better. Way better. (laughs) That guy's right.
0: (laughs) So uh, the sheriff is like, hey, let's post someone out there. Anytime Ken leaves his farm, let let everyone know. That's smart. Uh, After this, one man asked, what if he catches us watching him and pulls his shotgun on us? Very good point. Instead, the sheriff replied, quote, if he pulls down on you, you got every right to blow him away. And I would say it was the funniest case of suicide I'd ever seen. So but he see, was. See, that's very telling. Carte blanche right there to do what he basically is saying, do
1: what you got to do. I feel like he green lit the whole thing. Drop- Did you drop them notes? That was re- for real. Was that a preemptive note? Oh, look, look. Note drop. Uh, watch uh, me. A watch premature me. note droppage. <laughs> yeah. Was that a premature note drop? Look. Was that a premature note ripping?
0: Yes. No. Not premature. It was wait, right wait, on wait. time. I said
1: both. <laughs> we don't trust you anymore. We've been burned by that note dropping before.
0: That's it. We're the town is pent up. There, it's a, the keg is about to blow. So that's where we're, we're going to leave you guys for tonight until the next episode. Ooh,
1: that's that's, that's a the good ending. Powder keg. <laughs> that's almost as good as first ending, Joe. No, <laughs> I know, right? No, that was better. I, I feel like we needed those last four pages. I mean, I already blabbed in the when I thought it was over before, so I'm not going to say much else other than, I like this episode. It's my favorite one so far. The other episodes, you didn't really know exactly how it was going to tie it, but now I kind of have a guess. Yeah.
0: The next episode is going to be your favorite. Okay. I can promise you that. It's going to be everyone's favorite. Okay. And I can say this. I've looked, I've searched on iTunes podcast app and Spotify and, and everywhere I can look. As far as I can tell from what I've seen, No one, I mean, literally no one has covered this case as thoroughly and step-by-step with as much detail as we have.
2: It was the same thing as Buddy Holly.
1: Same, Same with Buddy Holly. And no one has put so much extra non-needed detail into a case ever. <laughs> that's what we're good at. We do it right, and we do it better than right.
0: I can hear people saying, man, that podcast is good. The research is good. If you could just get through all the bullshit, the story's pretty good. But, God, there's so much bullshit. In well, that. That,
1: that's okay. I mean, the whole <laughs> case is bullshit anyway. Uh, because it never should happen if people actually did their jobs and laws existed for the right reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, very good stuff. Can we brag about ourselves? We've achieved every Buzzsprout achievement you can achieve. There's no more. No more badges for us. No. Ivan sent them the, the David Chappelle itching his neck saying, you got any more of them <laughs> achievements? <laughs> and they, they, they liked it. They thought it was funny. But uh, that's it. I mean, we, we've done them all, so we can't get any more accolades from Buzzsprout. So if you like what we're doing, let us know somehow. One thing that does Give us help, a review, for Christ's yeah, sake. Yeah, one thing that does help out immensely, if you ha- if you listened and you like any of what we said, go onto iTunes and rate us and leave a review, an honest review. Just be honest. That's all we want. We're not saying to leave us five stars if you don't think we're a five star. But you can. Though, uh, so if you're going to leave us a two, don't bother. It's not even worth your time. But <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Do it if you think we're a two star. But the main thing is data. Like, Just write. Be honest. What honesty will get us is the listeners that will appreciate us If you want to say that we just blab about Random stuff and uh, We try to be funny and we're not Maybe you should write that so someone will read that And not waste their time and they'll go right to the Audiobooks you know <laughs> uh, Seriously uh, we want that from you So if you if you got time take a second leave us some stars in a review if you can do that that would be awesome.
0: Yeah, we're just in this to weed out our audience. It's like it's like looking at a field of wheat and there's daisies scattered out in there. We're just looking for the daisies. That's They're right. out there, man. You're a daisy if you do. That's right. And you know, and we're this close, we just realized also to getting monetized and I want to do that. I want to have Benjamins. I want to get ass. I want to have a pet tiger. I want to fly a helicopter. I want gold-plated plates. So let's do this, folks. Help us achieve our dreams. <laughs> at the
1: very least, all those things are awesome. But if we we if we could just if this could be our part time job and maybe eventually we're good enough and we're smart enough and doggone it people like us we could do this for a living that would be awesome that's where that's we'd love to do this Sam's already kind of doing this for a living yeah he's kind of he's helping us to catch up to him you know
0: my highest hopes is maybe we can make enough that I could like pay my electric bill
2: at yeah the house. there we go that'd be awesome yeah
1: like man I have made it Sam's like I'm I'm gonna help these guys make it. And then they're going to meet me every day at IHAP for lunch. <laughs> right now, they can't because they're working. So, folks, this has been a long ride. We are
0: just about out the door. The next episode is going to be great. You're going to like it. Uh, and What is that, number seven or eight? This was seven. The next episode is number eight, and we got one more after that. So, because, there, I believe it or not, there is a lot to cover even after what happens to Ken happens. But the next episode is going to be the creme de la creme that you want to hear, so... Thank all of you for listening, each and every one of you. And like Ivan said, <laughs> go and leave a review, uh, five stars preferably. But put like you know, I want I, I like these guys. Ivan, apparently, from what we have heard from a few people, is everyone's favorite, and that's okay.
1: I'm not. Well, if I at talked all. more, they wouldn't like me. <laughs> you talk the most. So the fact that they still like you and you talk the most—that's credit. to you I don't you. know they do like me though.
0: They they all say they like you so. Anyway, not bothered by that at all So, on that note, I'm just kidding <laughs> I don't care who they like As long as they listen,
1: I don't give a shit Just like one of
0: three Anyway, thank y'all for listening We love you, uh, we will see you next time Good night Let me tell you about some fellas I know Named Ivan, Sam, and Joe They got themselves a little podcast You know They talk about everything under the sun that they find interesting, spooky, or fun, and they sure ain't trying to impress no one. The remedy too much time on your answers Take a little listen to the dawn of mantis They talk about killers, monsters and cults. French mates from hell, disappeared folks, occasionally throw in a few dad jokes. They try to make every story extra nice by adding their own ginger spice. Not one time or two, but thrice. The remedy to too much time on you hands is take a little listen to the dawn of Mantis. Now I'm sure these fellas will be around for quite a spell. Cause there sure ain't no shortage of stories to tell. Cause this old world's as weird as hell. But hell, even if nobody listens, you know they'd maintain a fine disposition. Cause shooting the breeze is kinda of their mission. The remedy to too much time on you, Mansies. Take a little listen to the
1: dawn of my tears, yeah. the remedy to too much time
0: on your hands take a little listen to the dawn of my